Beer Mile Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Beer Mile Podcast. Today, you are in for a treat. This is one of the spicier episodes that we've had in quite some time. We know you all love the spiciness, stirring up the beef on this podcast, and we're bringing it back finally with this episode with our guest, David Melly. He's also known as Chaser of Steeples on social media channels, former D1 runner at Cornell University, now the host of the Run Your Mouth podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. And what we love about David and what a lot of you love about David is that he's not afraid to give his hot takes and say the things that other people are not willing to. He's a predominant voice in the world of track and field. He writes, he podcasts, he covers track, he gives his hot takes on Twitter, Instagram, etc. And today is certainly no exception. Mr. Melly was just at the U.S. Olympic Trials alongside Kyle Merber and Chris Chavez, and he has the inside scoop on everything that was going down, both on the track and behind the scenes late night at the bar. So today, we're going to hit on everything, a recap of the trials, some behind the scenes of what went on in the after hours of the track meets into the late hours of the nights. We're also going to hit on some of the big debate items of this year in the world of track and field. We've got some Tin Man discussion, some Westfly discussion, some Burrito Gate discussion. It's all going down right here today on the Beer Mile podcast, fueled by the boys having some beverages. And this one was a long time coming. We've been chatting behind the scenes with David for several months now, uh, knowing that we wanted to get together to have a podcast. And we kind of mutually agreed that it would be much more fun, more exciting to do in person. However, we've had several requests from listeners to have David on. Special shout out goes to Emily Sagan for hitting us up on Venmo at Beer Mile to request that David come on the show. And so we said, why not? You know, we, we don't want to wait around forever. We can always do another follow-up episode in person later on. And being that David was just at the U.S. Olympic trials and has the inside scoop and behind the scenes stories on everything that went on there, we thought this was a perfect time to have our first episode with Dave Melly. And if you like what you hear and you want us to have another follow-up episode with David down the line or maybe a recurring episode with him, let us know by sharing the podcast on your Instagram story, giving us an Apple five-star review. Make sure that the comment in that Apple five-star review is some inside joke about David himself. And that will spur us to make sure that we continue to have these spicy podcast episodes with the man himself, Mr. Melly. So just before we get into that though, a couple of big news updates. I feel like we always have big news updates here on the Beer Mile podcast, but that's because we are always doing work. So first off today, support for the Beer Mile podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They're the best in the world, champions of the world in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and use our exclusive discount offer as part of the Beer Mile podcast. Our discount code, Beer Mile, all one word, all uppercase, and you will get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code Beer Mile at manscaped.com. Adam and I were lucky enough to be some of the first people to try the new Lawnmower 4.0, and we are absolutely blown away by the performance. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. 
No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball and hair body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. And I know we have a number of female listeners out there as well. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 is the perfect gift for that significant other in your life. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, the Magic Mat, a pair of boxers, everything that your special guy needs in order to feel confident and have the best family jewels out there. So thank you again to our sponsor, Manscaped. Use code BEERMILE, that's all uppercase, one word, BEERMILE, for 20% off and free shipping worldwide at manscaped.com. As many of you know, I'm out here in Colorado for the summer training for the Pikes Peak Marathon, and we just launched our series, Pikes Peak Marathon Training. First episode is up on YouTube. At the time that you're listening to this podcast, the second episode might also be up. Going to be giving you some gorgeous views this summer, some mountain landscapes, and go behind the scenes of my training for the Pikes Peak Marathon. So if you're interested in that, make sure you follow along. Beer Mile Media on YouTube. Going to be putting out a couple episodes a week showing you behind the scenes of training in the mountains every day and absolutely sending it. So hopefully you enjoy that. Again, Beer Mile Media on YouTube. The Pikes Peak Marathon Training Series is live now. Now that our balls are clean shaven, let's get into this episode, Shit Talk with David Melly. Welcome, David Melly to the Beer Mile Podcast. It's been a long time coming. I think Adam and I have been talking about having you on kind of as a, I don't know, like a sympathy appearance ever since we whooped your ass and uh, actually it was Flip Cup, whooped your ass and Flip Cup on your birthday. On my and birthday. So we, on your birthday. So we thought, you know, feel bad for the guy. We should have him come on here. He's an up and coming podcaster himself. Uh, yeah, I wanted, wanted to bring you on and give you a chance to redeem yourself. So welcome, David. Oh, thanks for having me. I feel like I, uh, you know, I'm paying the the price for all of my excellent roasting with that intro. I was just so. gonna bring that up. Yeah, it's like I feel like this is Chris getting back at you a little bit. I, I did get when I was in Oregon last week. Um, I got a lot of interesting comments from people on uh, in terms of how they knew me, um, and you know, a lot of "Oh, you're so funny on Twitter," blah blah blah, which is like the worst thing to hear in the world. You're like, I'm like, sorry. Oh, no, you know where my Twitter is? Shit. Or or just like, you know, you don't have anything useful to contribute, but like you're kind of funny on Twitter. You know? <laughs> uh, but uh, I did get somebody was like, oh, you were so funny on those Beer Mile podcast roasts. And I was like, that's if that's my claim to fame. I'll gladly take it. Yeah, you are certainly a fan favorite uh, for listeners that didn't listen to those episodes. I can't even remember. I think one of them was the Natasha Rogers episode and then yeah. another one as well. Uh, David, give Adam and I some pretty solid roasts. I would say, I don't know, probably objectively the best roasts out of everyone that contributed. But Definitely the most accurate. Most, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you hit it, hit it close to home. You definitely know us well enough to, to dig deep right where it hurts. So appreciate that. And uh, how about to kick it off? I'm curious. What are you what are you boys drinking today? I was uh, just about to ask the same thing. So I uh, am drinking a Rheingeist Slangria. It's a very unique beer uh, that my boyfriend introduced me to because it is a Cincinnati-based brewery. Um, and he lives in Lexington, Kentucky, which is right across the river from Cincinnati. Uh, it is a uh, ale with apple, pomegranate, blueberry, and lime. So it's basically like, it kind of honestly tastes like like a cider and a sour had a baby. Um, and it's like, it's not particularly sour or sweet. It's kind of like right down the middle, but it's like extremely drinkable. I kind of want to do a beer mile with them because they're 5%. So they are legal. Um, I feel like the carbonation would be pretty low on it too. Yeah. I, they're great. They're a super drinkable beer. They have one that's called like the Zango. That's more like mango-y based. Um, they have one that's like based on Rosé, but it's a beer. Um, they're like pretty, they're pretty solid. They're niche, uh, 
niche content, but uh, they're, they're definitely like a great, like, especially in the summer, great beer. And then once the, uh, we progressed in the podcast, I got some uh, Lawson Sip of Sunshine, uh, just your standard, like 8% IPA. Um, they're, they're, they're from Vermont. Um, Chris will probably hate him. Um, but uh, um, the, the, that's a, uh, kind of a boston classic i mean they're, they're a vermont brewery but they're in like every liquor store boston, i feel like so. east coast people are, are really like culty about their beers of choice or like what they drink i i was never not that i was like anti-craft beer but i definitely kind of leaned into it more at the beginning of covid because i was like it, it was this like kind of weird like oh support your local economy thing where i would like go to the grocery store and then like pick up like kind of try to try something different every week like different like local like i'd look on the can and be like brew massachusetts like these guys need our help. Like I'm going to pick up a four pack. So um, yeah, I feel like since then I've gotten more, I, I mean, I'm not like knowledgeable, but I am like uh, open to trying new things. So I guess like that's the, that's where I fall. I'm definitely not a beer expert like you guys. Yeah. If, you, if you've been listening to us, you know that we're the total beer experts of the world. We know, we know all the hot profiles of every beer out there. <laughs> And, yeah, and it's how, it sounds like you're trying to get a little spicy this episode if you have an 8% beer on deck uh, coming up next. So I, I don't know what's going to come out of uh, your mouth. Oh, I can't be uh, responsible for my actions in the, as soon as we get into that second beer. But yeah, you that's, have an that's interesting always... strategy. Like I usually start with the 8% and then I wean myself off onto like basically water. Yeah, that's that's probably the smarter strategy. I figure uh, I will burn through this 5% and kind of get like a nice in a nice spot and then I can sip the, the second one. That's That's my strategy. Well, I'll throw in the disclaimer now, listeners. This is for entertainment purposes only. We're just we're just acting, you know. Every these opinions. I'll try this at home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're all trained professionals. These are uh, oh, yeah. not the opinions of the Beer Mile podcast. We don't stand for anything that's being said here today. So, interesting <laughs> take. Adam, yeah. what are you drinking? I am drinking some good old Corona because uh, that's that's what we got in the fridge. Well, Classic. it's well timed because Fast and Furious Nine came out this week. Um, I'm seeing it in theaters tomorrow. I'm very excited. Um, and as you know, Corona is the, the drink of choice of one Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel. So I think I've seen one Fast and Furious. Oh, my God. All right. I think well, I've seen gonna have, which one's Tokyo Drift? The worst one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, stu- the stupidest one. We're, we'll talk about this later. But but I would say five, six, seven, eight. You got to roll through and then you'll be like, this is the most awesome movie franchise I've ever experienced. Okay, so you're you're a big fan. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah, big fan. They're they're extremely stupid, but they are just like pure like 2 hours of entertainment. Like unfiltered, just like you will just be laughing, you will be on board. They're great. I vibe with that. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> speaking of speaking of entertainment, um you I think you t- did you tweet out a drinking game for the Olympics? Or was it um, actually the, no, I think it was whenever the announcer for the NCAA's uh, comments on their knees, knee drive or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You'll be dead by the end of, yeah. Um, no, I feel like I had a couple. I um, I feel like, you know, announcer cliche bingo is always fun to do. Um, I think one of the things I said uh, is that like, anytime someone makes a terrible pun about like the track is hot today cause it's hot outside. Like that's a, that's an easy drink. Um, you know, anytime they tell you that, uh, unlike the hurdles, the steeple barriers don't move. Um, that's that's a classic. Um, I did, en- I did enjoy when Kara said, contrary to popular belief, the water uh, does not cool athletes down. I was like, thank God. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that's uh, it's still hot. Um, you don't take if you're taking a full bath during a steeple chase, you're not doing it right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll round out the beers here. I've got a. Uh, 
It's local to where I'm at right now, Frisco, Colorado, Outer Range Brewing Company. And it's just a st- standard lager in the clear. Honestly, not a lot of flavor. Not to hate on them. Their brewery's freaking awesome with a nice like mountain backdrop or whatever. But I don't know. Standard lager, not a lot of flavor. But it'll go down easy. I've got six of them to finish. So we'll see if I can finish all six in this podcast. I have confidence in myself, though. I'm, you I'm, you I'm act like you it. can't put them in the car on your way to the next. No, interview. no, no. We don't we don't have room in the car. We don't want them to get warm in the 90 minute drive. So True. we, that, we that have actually, to. Ju- yeah, I was going to say this might be the first uh, behind the scenes revelation of trials um, that I don't even feel bad saying. because it's not like embarrassing or anything. But um, the Monday night when. um we it was the the first monday of trials and it was when ellie and uh heather had qualified we were at the new balance house before we were going out um but it was um ellie's husband and a bunch of their friends um from uh i think both from college and then from uh vermont who were out there were leaving the next day they were leaving like the next morning and so they were just trying to get rid of all their uh like booze and like beer and stuff that they had stocked up for like the trip but they had wildly overcompensated in terms of how much so we're like trying to leave to like go to the bars and then like they're trying to basically just like see anyone who had a car parked at their house they're like stick this handle of gray goose in your trunk like put this like 30 rack of cores in this one like they just had so much booze that they were just trying to give away um which was very nice of them but like uh you want to talk about like uh trials airbnb problems they they definitely uh overshot the mark a little bit in terms of uh, it's, always, it's always a hard estimate i feel like every vacation i go on it's usually chris is the one who's like oh we need to buy so much more and then my fiance his wife and i are like dude you're an idiot like we don't need four 30 racks of beer and then we end up like needing all of it yeah. and then we go out and buy more and we're like what? better too much than too little oh true like that's what i always say i'd rather waste 20 extra dollars on another rack than to have the party end early because we run out of booze so true. it's always it's always a safe bet to just get some extra and go with it but i'm not that's interesting that they had so much extra beer it's like I, who, who did they think was going to drink it especially with athletes like competing and whatnot and not sticking around a long time after the race who did they think was going to drink it well i think part of the problem was that um I think everyone was sort of very unsure on what the um, like nightlife scene would be in sort of like yeah. post COVID Eugene. And so people weren't, especially going into trials, they weren't sure if like, is stuff going to be open? Is it going to be like mass only? What's the deal? And there was like definitely a mix in terms of the bars there, but the, uh, the wild duck, which I'm, I'm sure is uh, will be a recurring theme in, in this episode, uh, which is kind of where like, it's right by Hayward. It's where like everyone goes like, you know, if you qualify, like you definitely got to hit the wild duck that night and like get a round of applause and you walk in. Um, and they had, um, you know, uh, they had rented it out for like, it was like technically a private party. So some of the like different policies and like, you know, it, people for the predominantly are, are very careful in, in and around track meets because all the, almost all the tickets were vaccinated and, um, you know, all the athletes have to like get COVID tested every couple of days. So, you know, all in all, it was like a pretty, uh, safe environment, but it was definitely, uh, maybe more crowded in there than, uh, than any other bar in, uh, in Eugene. Um, so yeah, so we did end up like going to the bars more than you would think, which like, I think is probably part of why you would sometimes end up with excess. Cause you're like, we're not drinking at the, the Airbnb all night. That makes sense. Okay. I get it now. Uh, one, okay. One question before we dive deeper in the Olympic trials, I wanted to ask, since you brought up the beer mile with the 5% beer, I think Adam and I, like lately, especially, we kind of forget to ask our guests about the beer mile. Like more, more often than not, we're talking to these, these people and we kind of forget like, oh yeah, we're, we're the beer mile podcast. So how many, how many beer miles have you done? What's the, what's the PB, you know, what's your expertise level, your competency level on the uh, beer mile itself? Um, I'm so glad you asked a uh, long time listener, first time caller. So I, I <laughs> um, the, 
so my beer mile PB is from my freshman year of college. I ran like, like nothing special, but decent. I think it was like 822 maybe was my time. Like definitely we had like, you know, I feel like every college team has like that one guy on the team that can run sub six and like, that's impressive. And then like, you know, if you can kind of keep it in the like six to 10 minute range, it's like, you're not blowing the doors off, but you're not embarrassing but it's yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're a freshman in college. You're like, my body doesn't know to like reject foreign substances at this point. <laughs> like It doesn't know any better. Like, um, and then, uh, the second and only other beer mile I've done was a couple of years ago for a friend's birthday. And I was like, my biggest thing with beer is that my stomach gets like full very fast. So I was thinking, I was like, all right, to do this beer mile, I'm going to like not really eat anything before. Like, uh, I think I ran like five miles before, excuse me. Cause I hadn't like done my run that day or whatever. Um, thinking like, Oh, I'll get really drunk. But like, that's a later problem. Like I just want to like have the room in my stomach to like um, have the beer it was actually what ended up happening was it was like the opposite where like, I think because I ran and hadn't eaten, like my stomach had shrunk really small. And so then when I started to like drink the beer, it was like awful. Like I could, I could barely get through like the second beer. So that was like a horrible experience. And I also like, I'm really, really, really don't like puking. And like, I will only like puke if like, it is like a bad time for my body. I'm not one of those people that's just like, yeah, boot and rally baby. Like, so I, as terrible as I felt, like I, couldn't just like puke and do the penalty lap. So I just was like really slowly working my way through like beers three and four of that race. And I think I literally ran like 22 minutes or something like that. So like that was not a good uh, sophomore effort, but now I feel like it's been a couple years since then. Like I've discovered like this Ryan guy Slangria. I feel like I'm vibing with that. I feel like I drink a, more, a lot more beer than I used to. Cause I used to be more of like a box wine kind of guy. Um, but I, I feel like if I did one, like, you know, maybe if like the beer mile podcast organized like a B heat of this, like elite mile that we're doing, um, you know, I, I think I could comport myself much better. Um, and I feel like I've like untraumatized myself from like my previous ones. So, um, I will say like my, my strength is much more in the six, 12, 18, 24, like of all the running challenges, like that one, I respect, I I'm proud of that PR, but. Well, we would be honored if you would set a new PR at the celeb heat of this beer mile. That we're <laughs> the influencer mile, like with Sean this race. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking, well, of, uh, speaking of the influencer mile, um, I, was, I was on Instagram like during work today because that's just like what you do. And I saw that Isabella Seidel posted, she was doing like an Ask Me Anything. And she's like, oh, I, re- like, I really want to like break five in a beer mile. And I couldn't tell if she was like serious and thought that was attainable or like, just like, oh, I want to run a beer mile and sub five sounds fast. And I was like, damn, if you're in sub five, that'd be like two minutes faster than any other female. <laughs> she, did she say she wanted to break five? She not, not yeah. break six? I, she, I mean, she, she, like, she said she wanted to break five. I was like, sub five pace? Like, I don't know. So Izzy's a good friend oh, of mine. Um, uh, her, her car is actually in my garage right now because she went home to Wisconsin. <laughs> um, but uh, I... I I highly doubt that Izzy can run sub five in a beer mile. I'll ask her about it. I report. Maybe back. she means um, 75 second 400s. That's yeah. a better. That I wonder sense. if that was maybe what she was referring to. I bet she means the running time. Cause like a sub yeah. five beer mile is like, she has to be in like 420, 430 mile shape. Yeah. So. And she's, I, I, she's I, like a, a 440 miler. So it's like, right. it's not out of the realm of possibility that she could run sub five in a beer mile. If you like take out the drinking splits, like for sure. She, right. I mean, she should absolutely give it a go. That would be, uh, I mean, six is the world record. So with her mile speed definitely has a shot of getting the world record. That'd be pretty high. Yeah, Molly, her sister's a pretty good drinker too. So like, I think they could both, one of the things that we've discussed um, extensively in the Boston community is like the postseason, like Boston pros beer mile, how like all the women 
specifically the women, like the men who give a shit, like, but like how they would stack up. Mm -hmm. Um, and as we have a lot of very accomplished milers in Boston, as the world now found out last weekend, (laughs) (laughs) um, but like, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, like Helen Schlachenhofen is not a big beer drinker, but like Heather would do really well. Ellie would do really well. Um, Sky Webb from, from Saucony, who's, who's more of an 800 runner, but she's a, she definitely comport herself well in a beer mile. Um, so I'd be very interested. And I think Molly would hold her own too. Like she's a pretty good drinker. So I think that would be a, that would be a high quality race. Let me tell you that. If, if you pull this thing together, Adam and I will fly out for sure. Oh, like, for sure. This, this yeah, is, I think what, this is the problem. Cause it's like, I think possibly the only way we could actually like get them to do it is if like no one knew about it. So like, right. we'll see what the media coverage uh, <laughs> level I, I, is, but I would still be fine with flying out and like no cameras, no nothing, just underground, just do it for fun. Just so I can witness it because that'd be amazing. I, and yeah. basically like only maybe have someone like cell phone video it so that if one of them breaks the world record, they get credit. But like, That's if, fair, not, yeah. if not, you just like erase the video. It never happened, but that'd be <laughs> awesome. Well, well, anything for a business trip, you know, it's all a write off. The government yeah. covers it. So I'll keep you guys posted for sure. Speaking <laughs> of Heather, has the uh, Duncan sponsorship come through? Uh, no comment. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> spicy. <laughs> Sounds like some DMs were responded to and like, you know, we're keeping some our fingers crossed. But uh, uh, first, um, as, as Heather said in her uh, amazing post-race interview, what is, it's like, uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I actually don't have a comment on that, but thank you very much for asking. <laughs> <laughs> the best clip from the, the, the mix zone. That shit was so funny. Um, and, and Heather is uh, in seriousness, like Heather is like a very uh, like smart, articulate person about awesome. like a lot of really yeah. important issues. Um, and oftentimes, like, I think one of the things that's really cool about, like, her story and, like, this could become just me talking about Heather for an hour because she's one of my best friends and she's <laughs> awesome. But, like, um, she's, like, very vocal about sort of some of the, like, the institutional support that, like, both, like, you know, sort of outside of running and then in running that's, like, super important um, to, you know, understand that, like, not everybody has the financial independence to just, like, you know, chase the pro running dream and that, like, it's important to realize that, like, there uh, should be a lot more socioeconomic diversity in the sport of running than there is. Um, but that's a, that's a whole topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of post-race interviews, what was your favorite, I guess, both of you, what was your favorite post-race interview or like e- either trackside or in the whatever green screen room interview booth, I guess, kicking off like one that stand, I guess probably recency bias, but one that stands out with Centros just because he, he said so many funny things like one calling Hobbs Kessler 12 year old. I thought was hilarious. Like in, in, in a good way. It wasn't like a, you know, a diss, but just like, whatever I'm racing 12 year old Hobbs Kessler. Um, so I thought that was really funny, but then also like all the people who have hated over the last six months saying whatever Centro you're running a 150, 800 getting uh, DFL. Like, what are you doing? He's like, he well, was, guess what? Just I, I got going off on Instagram today. Oh, and, and then today, was, dude, exactly. I, I was going to go to that was like him, him and Craig Engels. Now he's saying, oh, Craig was, you know, whatever this beef earlier this year, which was, I don't remember if that insta post was after Craig was on our podcast. It was kind of all like, it was, it was, it was right after it. It was right after. So the Josh Thompson, Craig Engels beef thing, Craig basically saying he won in 2019. And then yeah, Centro was uh, yeah. throwing shade today on Instagram. Like, oh, how timely. Is yeah, this I wish that? I could share. Um, since this is my first time using zoom on this computer, I can't, but I was going to share my desktop. I literally have Centro's um, story up on my <laughs> second monitor. It, it's yeah. just, I don't know. It's funny. Centro is one of those guys who he doesn't like share much on social media, except for when he's crushing it. And I think yeah. like based on his interview, it seemed like this is my take at least like he actually kind of was 
even though in the interview he was like, I never doubted myself. Like everyone was oh, doubting he, me. Yeah. I think he actually was kind of like un- not sure doubting himself. He was at least like super nervous. And so he wasn't sharing on Instagram. He's like nervous. And then all of a sudden he makes the team and now he's like, Oh, I'm confident. I'm back. Yeah. Baby. Like that's the I, vibe that I get from him. I think the turning point was when he ran those three eight hundreds. That's when he started to like post yep. again. Cause it was like, it was a good performance. Um, yeah. I really I will, liked, I will say like, I, I have thoughts about Centro. Um, I might be a little, uh, I, I think that it is, I think that the ability to laugh at yourself is a very uh, important quality. And he does not strike me as someone who is uh, good at uh, embracing the levity of some of these online interactions. Like he gets very like hurt and offended and defensive whenever anyone makes like a stupid joke, um, yeah. which is not kind of, I don't really vibe with that as like a personality type. Um, I will say I very much liked and respected what he said about Shelby in his interview. I think that was like a very thoughtful, mature, um, you know, kind of kind hearted response. Um, I will say, I, I also give him credit for the fact that like, he's never like, he's always been very respectful of Cole Hawker's like accomplishments and like place on the team and everything. Like, because Cole is like not involved with any of this beef. It's like all his teammates starting shit. So like, and like, I, re- I like and respect the fact that he's sort of always tre- very much treated like Cole Hawker with respect. Um, but you know, it's like when somebody comes at Craig for something, like he's just like funny about it, you know? And it's like, that's yeah. much more my personality type I, that I kind of like want to And I think it's way, for. it's way more exciting. And like, I just, I just think um, when you take things personally, it's kind of like a dead end to a conversation. It's kind of boring. So that when you, when you like can kind of embrace the funny side, like, I mean, Craig's a perfect example of like getting shit slung at him and then laughing about it. And then like other media outlets, picking it up and making it a story. Yeah. I think there's, you know, there is stuff that, you know, you should take seriously. And like, frankly, a lot of it is about like, you know, a lot of like the, like, you know, inherent like racism, sexism, like transphobia, stuff like that in the sport. But like, just like some college kid being like, "Central, you're washed." It's like, what, dude? What are you doing? Even responding to that? Like, you know, like. And, and that's why I thought everything was funny. Like earlier at the beginning of this year, when we had Craig and Eric on, and then there was the beef in in quotes between him and Josh Thompson, him and Josh Kerr, whoever it was. It's like Craig. Craig is just like the. I don't know. Maybe this is me being a Craig fanboy to some extent, but he's just like one of the most approachable, like just friendly guys. Like he, like you said, he doesn't take himself seriously. He's never, he would never hate on anybody. Like it, it, he, he says things because it's hilarious and it's <laughs> meant to start a conversation. It's not actually dissing on someone. So, so yeah, I don't know. So yeah, Centro's kind of been back and forth for me. I, I go in a, personally, I go in like a love hate relationship where I'm like, I, I, to some extent, I love the confidence and arrogance in one in light in another light i don't like it but it, i go back and forth and just like he, I, i'm like oh he's entertaining he's like you know a good uh, a good uh, entertainer for the sport uh and then on the other hand i'm just like what, what the hell is this guy doing you know i, I go back and forth all the time on him uh, that's kind of how i feel where i'm like i think that you know the narrative around the men's 1500 was just like one of the most fascinating interesting parts of the trials and like the you know the quote-unquote beef that went into that was you know, it was like an interesting part of that narrative, but like, like, I don't necessarily think that like Centro is going to be a guy that I'm going to become best friends with. Cause it just seems like he has like a very different personality than, than I am attracted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do you think, um, speaking of, speaking of Eric, I was actually going to go back to the, the question. Uh, I think Eric's post-race interviews we're sort of brutally honest and kind of heartbreaking because I'm like rooting for the guy and he he obviously didn't make it, but I feel like the trials kind of, 
I think this year more than any year, maybe because there's just like a lot of media coverage or maybe I followed it more closely, but I, I think that the trials, um, this go around did a better job of exposing or like keeping people honest with like, I mean, 98% of the people competing are like kind of at a loss for words or like they're, they have to make some tough decisions of like, am I going to keep at this for the next four or well now three years? Um, or am I going to kind of call it quits? So uh, I, I think it was, I can't remember if Kyle said it on the podcast or not, but like that is a big thing with trials is like, you know, at three quarters of the people that participate, like have, leave with their hearts broken. It's like, kind yeah. of, it's like an awesome meet and it's so fun, but it's also depressing in some ways. And like, I do, you know, at the end of the day, I just really appreciate like, transparency and honesty. And I think Brazier was another good example of that, where he was very candid in his post-race interview. And I think that's a, that's a hard thing to do, especially so kind of close to, a, you know, you like don't even get to cool down. You have to like go talk to the media, like right after your, yeah. your race. And that's, that's definitely, I think people don't give enough credit for, for how kind of emotionally difficult that is. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely always nice when um, you know, kind of people are, are forthcoming through the successes and the failures, you know? And I think that, um, I mean, Eric's awesome. Like he's a, he's a great dude, uh, hung out with him a bit the, the last couple of days once he was done. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's so friggin' talented. Like I, you know, I think he'll be fine, but, uh, I definitely, you know, it's tough, it's tough to, you know, uh, really feel like, oh, you know, especially I think some people it's like, you're killing it all season. And then, you know, maybe it doesn't go well at trials that kind of sucks. But like, I think it's, it's arguably harder to be like, Oh, like I'm training really hard. You know, the times aren't really there yet, but everything's going to come together at trials. And then they like kind of do, but not enough. Or like you run well, but someone else runs better. Like, I think that's like, there are a lot of those stories, at yeah. least from my perspective, uh, at this trial, is it like so many people were coming back from injury and they like got an extra year and they're like, well, I have the, the qualifying time. Like I'm going to be good. I'm on the mend. And then they get like sixth place or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the biggest takeaway for me coming off of trials was like, wow. Like, and it's probably like way over iterated on, on Twitter, but it's like, man, imagine if, if we had competitions like this, like multiple times a year, how many people would follow this sport? Yeah. yeah. And that is what's so heartbreaking is that it like pro running is so much just the trials is what matters of the Olympics. And that's what really sucks is to see these people that are like, this is like their career and it's today or nothing. And probability wise. Yeah. Like 90, 95% of people that are racing or 90%, whatever the number is, are not going to get on the Olympic team. They're still the top, whatever top 10 in the U S and they're, they aren't, I guess, good enough to make it big, you know, and, and air quotes for people listening, but yeah, it's, it's so hard to see like Eric Jenkins is a perfect example of that. And I love that he was still able to make some humor out of it and say, Oh, he's going to go drink a thousand beers tonight or whatever he said. And, <laughs> and, and he'll be back for the next one. So I, I can appreciate that. And I also can appreciate Brazier not making excuses. Like he never once said like, Oh, I would have whooped these guys, but I had a broken foot. He never said that. He just, you know, said, I'll be better next time. So he said the opposite. He was like, yeah, exactly. I had all the resources in the world exactly. and it didn't yep. put it together. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to hear somebody sort of, you know, put, be so honest about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I can really appreciate. And, and it's, it is crazy to think of. So the, the trial is getting pushed back one year who, like who would have made the team in 2020 versus who made the team this year, like Cole Hawker and Yard Nagoose, like that they were, they wouldn't have made the team last year, but they made the team this year. Or even like just looking at within the year, kind of like you were mentioning, you know, people who, some people who 
had really bad, uh, you know, bad uh, for bad for them, I guess, beginning of 2021, but then broke out at the trials versus people who had been racing great all year and then didn't make the team at the trials. Like, you know, I'd say Jenkins is someone who's kind of you kind of struggled all year. Um, he's never really found it. Um, and then you have people like Centro who kind of sucked all year and then he crushed it at the Put trials. Together. So and so it's just wild to think of, like, you look at who made the team and then you look at like what I predicted each of those people making the team in January and then what I predicted them making the team like in 2020 summer. And for most of the people, it's like it, it kind of flip flopped a lot. Uh, and it's nice to see a lot of new faces on the team for sure. That's, that's definitely exciting. But I don't know. I just thought it was wild. Like every every race I was if I if we if I had done or like doing the prediction contest for Sidious Mag or whatever, it's like I didn't predict like any of that stuff correctly. Well, <laughs> it was not over the brag, but I got 27th overall. So <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm in the like Haps subgroup in the prediction contest on Let's Run. And so I'm with in the group with like Rojo and Weijo and Gall and like a bunch of the actual Let's Run guys. And so I take a lot of pride in um beating them at their own contest. But uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say to answer your much earlier question, like my favorite um mo- interview moment was actually one of the trackside ones so when shakari crossed the finish line she like ran through and was like i'm a fucking olympian and the mbc person like caught the f-bomb and bleeped it um in ellie's interview uh not so much and like she was saying like you know i think it was pro- i think probably the problem is like She's a little out of breath. I think some one of the other girls was like talking as well, but she's like, I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> and they did not believe it. And it was just on the air on live TV. Um, and so that was definitely, that was an all-timer moment for sure. Yeah, I caught that too. And I was just like, this is the best. Like, this is true emotion. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I guess you, there's rules what you can say on TV and not, but I think that actually shows the true emotion. You shouldn't have to bleep that. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm no stranger to four letter words, so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. when Chikari like was kind of like striding out or slowing down after the after her race, I I must have been watching a different angle, uh, which I which I don't know how, but I I like read her mouth and she, when she mouthed like I'm a fucking Olympian, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> she's uh, she's quite something to watch. <laughs> so let's hear let's hear some more drunken stories from the Olympic trials. I mean, you were, you were there. I prefer, I prefer to call them post-race stories. That's true. Okay. Okay. That's true. This is, this is responsible alcohol use with just sipping yeah. some beverages with some friends, you know, well, there are full, people, full you know, like, uh, like Nick Willis does not drink at all. He's like never had a sip of alcohol ever. And he like was still at the dock, like hanging out with people, yeah. like, you know, drinking water. Like, you know, you can be social without drinking. Although exactly. You know, I'm not, I don't want to bring anti-drinking messages onto the drinking podcast. Like, <laughs> Um, that's definitely okay. definitely works out well both ways make your own fun however you feel fulfilling <laughs> no that's a, that's a great point so what what do we have for i don't know t- the best the best celebration moment of someone making the olympics that you can recall that you were you know around or that you heard of you know through the grapevine what were what were some of those best celebration moments from the athletes making the olympic team oh man um there were a lot of good ones um Definitely um, Heather putting her Venmo out on the Sidious Mag podcast and getting like a lot of money um, in return, which was very lovely. And I think she's actually going to donate it now because it was like so much money that she's like, I can't keep this. <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, I will say I was like, so you go to the wild duck and like, there's like a lot of whether they were in the meet or not, like there's a lot of pro runners there, a lot of like faces and names you recognize. And it's definitely kind of the place where it's like, you have to play it cool. Like you don't want to be the guy that's like, can I have a picture? Can I have a picture? Like, you know, like, um, and there, there were very, you know, and I've been in this sport like long enough now that like, there's not really that many people that like, I'm like, I would have a moment of like being like a true fanboy and like, you know, 
freaking out a little. But my like kind of sincere moment was uh, one of the nights after the shop, but Raven Saunders was there and she's just like, so like, she's so cool. She's so fun to watch. Like she's like a super vocal advocate for like a lot of really important issues, like um, super, you know, great role model for the queer community. And I literally just like went up to her. I was like, Hey, I just want to say congrats. I love you. What are you drinking? I want to buy you a drink. So like, um, that was fun. She's a rum and Coke girl. I, I learned, I got her rum and Coke, but Man, um, just like Ellie Purrier. I was, I was just going to say, <laughs> she's, she's, yeah, she's captain and Coke. That was a, that was a definitely a recurring theme. Um, definitely. I will say, uh, the, uh, there was a weird mix of like, you get buckets of beer and I think somebody pointed this out on Twitter, but there was a lot of Michelob Ultra being purchased, which I think is a very gross beer personally. <laughs> and uh, not not my cup of tea. Um, but I think it might have just been like the cheapest bucket there. Like maybe that was why like people were buying it a bunch. Um, Usually it's like around around Chicago, Mick Ultra is like in between really shit beer and like the expensive imported beer. Maybe that's it. I'm not sure, but uh, you know. <laughs> more than I would care to drink. That's for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of other, uh, there are a couple like moments that maybe, um, you know, uh, can't be have names attached to them. Uh, somebody did at one point, like get up on a counter and like do a body shot off of their friend. Um, then they got yelled at. Um, so understandable. Oh, um, Tara Davis, the jumper who has like the YouTube channel and shit. Um, interesting character i'll leave it at that um but, uh, people seem to like her i'll put it that way um, but uh she at one point outside the wild duck like started had like a bag of her own merch and was like throwing like t-shirts and sweatshirts into the crowd which oh, was man. um you know people appreciate it i guess um but uh, Damn, Chris, that's that was, a good idea we should do that yeah, yeah. I did lose to an olympian in beer pong that was um a disappointing moment in my life personally um would you would you consider yourself a top-notch beer pong player i'm very good at beer pong okay i, I my part i my partner was uh, not to throw anybody under the bus but my partner was dragging me down a little bit um oh, we did go to overtime so we comported ourselves like well enough but um yeah it was also later in the night so like you know i was very well hydrated at that point but, but i'm not trying to make excuses you know i want to follow the donovan brazier model i had all the you know the resources <laughs> to win and i just couldn't get the job done um oh i this is a this is an embarrassing story for me, so I don't mind uh, saying it, uh, which is that uh, after the 800, um, I saw uh, Samuel Voles, the, the Notre Dame kid, um, who's, uh, I think is very attractive. Um, so I went up to him and I said, hi, Samuel Voles. I think you're very attractive. <laughs> I didn't say it exactly like that. Um, you're very succinct at the bar. I said, it, I said it basically that. I said basically that. Um, and we like chatted for a little, like he's a very nice guy, whatever. Uh, and then about 10 minutes later, um, I met his girlfriend and I was like, great to meet you. Your boyfriend's very hot. Is he into guys? <laughs> and she's like, um, and I have a boyfriend too. So like, it's not even like it was a serious thing, but like, um, you know, she, she was like, I don't think he is, but go for it. So like, I appreciated her support in my, in my I like that. That's um, bold. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, good. Sounds like a very healthy relationship that she wasn't threatened by, by my, you know, obvious sex appeal. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, she should take that as a compliment for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a good time overall. Um, definitely uh, a lot of great moments. Unfortunately, I'm so sleep deprived that I feel like I probably forgot a lot of things just by like, I, I literally, it was so bad. Like, you know how like they say like sleep deprivation messes up your short term memory. I was like, 
forgetting names, forgetting like where I'd been two hours before, like unrelated to alcohol entirely. Like I was just so tired. It was like, yeah, ridiculously exhausting, but fun. So yeah. Yeah. Listeners before we were recording, we were talking to, we were talking about how the late night podcast recording, late night shenanigans often went till 3am. And then uh, our guest here, Mr. Melly had to wake up at 6am to work his real job uh, some of those days. So yeah, I can totally understand the sleep deprivation. But I don't know, I, I, I'm still again FOMO. Uh, I feel like Adam and I would have done some work at the, the Wild Duck. I think we would have. For sure. Yeah. We would have made a name for ourselves, probably in a negative Oof. light, but you know, we would have made a name for ourselves. Name. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a once in a lifetime experience. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, well, hopefully uh, not once in a lifetime, hopefully once in every four years. You yes. know, well, actually three years from now, three years from now, we're committed. And actually, Eugene honestly, well. I was actually going to say I was just I was just looking at tickets for 2022. Um, well, hopefully getting in his media and not, you know, having to buy tickets. But I was already looking at that, already looking at Airbnbs. So, yeah, absolutely. Eugene 2022 world champs. That's going to be a thing. And then that'll actually be a good opportunity to fanboy a little bit, because now you in the U.S., it's like especially especially you david you like know a lot of the athletes competing so you can't really like fanboy them so to speak because you're like friends with a lot of them or it's like you're gonna encounter them again but when the international athletes come in i feel like i would totally just fanboy and be like oh my god jacob's here like i don't i don't know like i, I could name <laughs> a thousand year, names you know? <laughs> yeah yeah i could name a thousand people like that i would just totally fanboy over and if they actually showed up at the wild duck and i was there that i would i would totally just go up to them and ask for a picture like i wouldn't even care <laughs> that's fair um yeah no it yeah definitely i mean i think yeah because so many of my friends are like pros like i feel like if anything there are just more people i don't like, like <laughs> people who, are, who i i'm like a big fan of like they're definitely um there's definitely still a couple names that like uh i would or i wouldn't even say like fanboying but i'm like very i would be very sad to like earn their like disapproval like uh, i want them to like like me you know so it's like yeah there's certain people like um yeah who's, your, who's like your number one emma coburn well, so emma coburn's a good example of this where like i'm friends with like a couple of her teammates so i've like been around her but we're not like close like we don't really know each other and so like she's one of those people that like when she's around i sort of have the antennas up of like oh i don't want to do anything like, oh, like, i mean just embarrassing <laughs> in front of her like you know it's like i, I don't want to seem like i'm not cool so you know i mean i'm not cool but like i don't want to seem that way like, <laughs> right right exactly well adam and i you know Corey mcgee we're, we're big friends with Corey mcgee on this podcast yeah, so. she, loves you guys. Yeah. <laughs> she she loves us she you know she does cameos for us she absolutely loves us one day <laughs> one day we'll get her on the podcast one day. Uh, dude you know I, I should ask mandy if she raised her cameo price <laughs> if she did to keep I mean, people honestly, like you away yeah, yeah so people like me can piss off but uh yeah, i did oh you know what i did um speaking of friends of the pod um i uh i'm only internet friends with ali ostrander but i i love ali ostrander i think she's mm -hmm. awesome um and i had never met her in person until like this past week um and i don't know spencer at all really other than like oh he like does youtube videos and he's ali's boyfriend um and i what i'm sure he really appreciated it where like the, when i first met him uh he was not with ali and like the first thing i said to him was like hey nice to meet you your girlfriend's awesome i'm not sure about you but like i'm a big ali o fan <laughs> and he's a very you know he's a very nice guy and like thought yeah. it was funny and stuff but uh yeah you should like oh yeah d d like ali o on youtube like big success <laughs> oh i will say this is again i i don't mind speaking out of turn because it reflects well on the person more than anything else like um 
the, so like wild duck is like you know obviously it's like if you competed like people will show up like and they're like uniforms or like you know literally go straight from the track like i like part of the problem with like eugene is it's like there's like kind of a concentration of houses where like um they're like kind of walking distance from like the track in that area that a lot of like the brands and stuff get airbnbs there but like my my airbnb for part of the week and then my, i was staying with a friend for the other part of the week we're not like super close to the tracksmith house or to hayward so it oftentimes like i'd like leave one place where my clothes were and then like bring like three changes of clothes so i'm like all right i'm probably gonna like run and then like go to the meet and then like shower or and then like go to the, out and then like maybe like not even get home till like the next day afternoon so it's always like bringing like you know 24 to 36 hours of clothing with me um and one of the nights i like literally like just like did not plan ahead well and like literally was like going to uh wild duck and like uh like running clothes basically but long and short of it is like it's not like the kind of place that you would like dress up for um the last night we were there it was after the 15 and uh like it's like super packed whatever david rubich and his girlfriend were like swagged the fuck out like they were the best dressed people in the bar for like and it like was not even close and like not even like an ostentatious way where it's like oh like you like that's too much it was weird it's like they just that man has a very good sense of style and like uh yeah like his girlfriend was wearing this like sick like jumpsuit thing and like he was wearing this like kind of like uh like pastel pattern button down that like honestly it wouldn't normally be like my taste in clothes but i'm like he's rocking the shit out of this right now like they those guys like they they brought their a-game to to the bar uh which i really respected I, I can gather that from his Instagram. He's got some, yeah, exactly. he's got some tasteful, some tasteful. Thematically consistent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thematically consistent. That, that's true. <laughs> you got to keep the brand strong, you know? That's right. All right. I got a game that I just made up like sure. in the last five minutes. Let's Amazing. do it. So, so I think the best way to recap the Olympic trial. So I'm just going to go through each, well, not every race, but I'm going to go through some of the races. Uh, I, I don't even know. Give me like a, a surprise factor on the the outcome of the race and then give me like a hot take on it. A hot so, take is what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, a hot take. Takes. So basically, okay. yeah. So so I'm just going to run through them and like, well, you know, whatever. So we kind of already hit on this in the whatever, talking about post-race interviews, et cetera. But men's 1500, Cole, Centro, and Yared. What, what's your like reaction and hot take to that? My hot I'm, take is that I don't know what the fuck I was talking about because I was like one of those like, Oh, the college guys are going to flame out. Like this is, you know, they're, they're running home meets at Hayward. Like they're not like, you know, right. being challenged. Like they're going to get trashed by all the racers. Like, um, yeah, I definitely like, um, was not expecting any collegians to make the team. I actually thought there was a better chance of a collegian making the 5k team because the final was like 50% collegians. Um, so I'm just like, you know, it's slow. Anything could happen. Like, you know, just by sheer numbers. Um, and those guys totally proved me wrong. I think racing tactic wise, especially for um, Cole, probably would have gotten fucked on like uh, outside the U.S. stage, international stage. I, I think it was like tactically not a smart race, but like just the sheer speed with like 150 to go is stupid. Um, so I think as long as he's like aware of that going into the Olympics, he like both him and Centro have have a shot at doing something pretty big. Um, their his arm carriage is like not great how do they like, fix dude. that like it's crazy how do you I run also like a, say, what do you run yeah. that the last 200 in probably like a 24 yeah something like yeah. that it was because it was sub 39 for the last 300 like um i will say hot take from the 1500 semis not even a hot take but 
Did you guys see the video of Yard Nagusa's just nutsack? Like, yes. It's, like, <laughs> it's clearly the like whatever the Nike shorts that they like um, gave to all the colleges this year because the BYU guys kept having issues with that too. Like a lot of liners flying in the wind uh, the, the past couple of weeks of racing. I, I was I was just gonna yeah I noticed that on live TV and then similar yeah Connor Mance in the NCAA cross country nationals same exact thing and it and, and it wasn't like the camera people or like the people the producers in the booth they never cut away from it they like just kept yeah, on like, it we're gonna there's a kid in the steeple too like yeah, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> better uh, than everything being out you know at least it was just liner but like still like yeah very memorable part of the <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm kind of with you on the the collegiates like i i would have never thought that they had the i don't know whatever stamina to go that many months of racing well, every single week they're in college every- college boys have no stamina we all know that <laughs> <laughs> man they it, that was insane. And, and especially like, uh, I don't know, at least look, looking back at my college days, I'm like, okay, Cole doing well at outdoor NCAAs. Like, how was he not just, you know, partying it up, like having fun, enjoy soaking in the moment. And then he still comes back and does that in the 1500. Like, and I assume Yared's just like, well, I don't, I actually, I don't know anything about Yared. I don't know his, uh, what his goals are or anything like that. Hopefully he'll come on the pod someday, but I, yeah, I, the endurance, the stamina over like six months of collegiates, like I was completely flabbergasted by that. Like that was insane to me. I would have, I would have definitely thought that it was going to be someone else like a Craig or, uh, yeah, we're, I don't know, surprised by Craig not making it. Yeah. I thought, I think my picks were, uh, Centro Craig and then Josh Thompson was my third because I thought it was going to be a slow race and he's good in a a kicker's race. But see, I actually, I'm actually surprised Josh made the final. Like when Adam and I were at the Texas qualifier, do you remember this, Adam, where Mm -hmm. Josh like limped? Like absolutely, like he was clearly like he pulled something in the the race there and limped off the track, was holding his Achilles, his calf. So at that point, I was I just thought his season was over. I was like, this guy's probably like an Achilles surgery, just like fifty percent of other runners. You know, he's going to be an Achilles I, surgery. I didn't even think he would be in the final. So he was actually not someone I picked. I, I would have picked him a couple of years ago, but just based he, on like seeing him in person, I was like, man, he, he's he's hurting. He's got he, some issues. I think he stepped off the gas. Um, right after that and like was able to heal up and get some fitness back so he's, he was able to make finals but yeah, yeah he, he, got, really- he got sixth he didn't do even bad in the right. final too like um I, I will say that was uh it was too late to change my picks at that point but uh i was talking to uh, not to name drop but i was talking to hobbs a bit uh before the 1500 final and i was saying how like i was i thought josh could possibly make the team in a a kicker's race and he was like i don't know man like uh, you know, I could hear him like working a little too hard in the early rounds. And I was like next to him and I was like, okay, hmm. good to know. If we had track and field betting, like I, I you know, I would have changed my, my money. Ooh, inside, yeah. Insider information. I, I, yeah. If, if there was betting, uh, betting on it, like you, Chris Chavez, Cal Merber, like you guys would have to be banned from whatever platform because you would have all the insider information on, yeah. on who's doing well and who's not doing well. That's like one time, um, back in the pre COVID days, hopefully we'll bring them back soon. Um, we would host like uh, running trivia nights at Tracksmith after like run clubs. Um, and I hosted them. And so I would like be coming up with the questions and stuff. Um, and one of the nights, um, and the problem is like, it's kind of a hard to like band to be in where it's like, you have to make the questions hard enough that like not everybody can get them and be like running nerds can't like, just like get all of them, but also easy enough that kind of like the less informed folks, like, you know, it's like someone who just stuck around after a run club. They're not like, Oh, this sucks. Like I don't get any answers. Right. So you kind of have to like balance it well. And then, one of the nights I did it, uh, John Galt and uh, Tim Bro 
uh, both showed up and I was like, well, like this is like, I didn't tailor my questions to like people who are extreme experts in track and field. Like obviously we're going to do well, like how about your tracksmith gift card? Like, <laughs> Yeah. John, John Galt knows like every number, every time from every race, every place. Yeah. And not, he's, not, a, he's a allegedly a member on beermile.com. He is a member. Oh. Yep. He is a member on yeah. beermile.com. Yeah. He's a follower for sure. I don't think he hasn't made any races or done any races, but I haven't, man, I haven't watched. <laughs> These are private. That's true. So uh, la- last thing on the 1500, I'll, I'll go to the next race. So Hobbs, how, how was he feeling? You spent some time with him. How was he feeling after? So he made the semifinal, did not make it out of that. Honestly, I going into the trials, I, I didn't think that, I mean, I didn't think he had a shot to make it the team, but then after the first round, I was like, Oh my God, he looks like Cole Hawker. He's got that kick in the last 200. So after the first round, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty confident he's making the final and he's going to be right in the mix. What, how, how was he feeling after that? And especially now signing the uh, pro contract with Adidas too. Yeah. So he looked phenomenal in the, in the prelim. And I think, you know, um, so, so just for clarity and context sake, for those, those listening, I'm not just like randomly boys with a high school senior, like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, his, so Nick Willis, who he trains with, uh, is the elite athlete coordinator at Tracksmith. And so he was at the Tracksmith Hospitality House the whole week. And um, his kind of crew would would roll through. Um, I had a lot of really interesting conversations with their coach, Ron Warhorst, who's like this, you know, legend of uh, distance running, coached in Michigan for for decades. Um, very interesting, unfiltered guy. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, Hobbs is a really, really good kid. I never met him before last week. Really good kid. Like, really clearly has, like... Um, you know, maturity that goes beyond his years. But I think also his kind of biggest asset is that, and, and Ron was saying this to me actually, is he was like, these guys, like, you know, they put so much, you know, uh, emotional energy into it. But for Hobbs, because he's so new to the sport, it's just like another race. Like trials is the same as Portland track fest to him, you know, right. like, and so he was like, you know, he cares. And like, he's definitely like a hard worker and like a good competitor, but like, I don't think he necessarily has that sort of like, those decades of like emotional investment into like, yeah. you know, the trials. And so he was like, honestly, in a pretty good spot after his race. Like, I think we, we went in, um, one of our friends, uh, the Brooklyn track club had a like little like rock wall in their backyard of the Airbnb they were staying at. Um, and so we like went over there and like climbed a bit, which is like kind of cool. Like I did like 10 minutes of climbing and like got like sore for three days afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, no, he's like, a, he's a really good kid. Like definitely has a super bright future ahead of him. Um, I think, him still going to NAU despite going pro is like going to be a mm-hmm. great fit for him. Um, so yeah, definitely like, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it was so ahead of his time that he even like, you know, was in this point to like potentially make the final or make the team. It's like, if you make the Olympics as an 18 year old, there's, it's like, there's nowhere to go, but down. You yeah. know? Like, yeah. And like, I think for his long-term development as a runner, like it's definitely, you know, in a weird way, like, you know, maybe better that like he at least sort of has, space to grow in, in the next cycle for sure yeah that that may yeah that just i don't know that makes me think of that mental aspect of the sport and like how your mindset is and kind of the difference in like people who are super serious and those who are i don't know joking around i guess craig craig's a good example of someone or eric who takes it more lightly i guess under, under the surface they take it seriously of course but and then i also was thinking of noah lyles in the 200 in his post-race interview after he won he said that he was too like putting too much pressure on himself in the first round and the second round in this whole year. And he was like mentally thinking like dig deeper, more, more, more. And that was the wrong mindset. The right mindset was just relax, like have fun with it. And that's what he did in the final. And it worked, uh, you know, regardless of if that, if he just said that after the fact, cause he won and, you know, he could say that, but I, that makes me think of that of just the difference of 
how much how much the mental aspect does really play into it and your mindset on everything and it's good to hear that Hobbs isn't like isn't someone who's putting so much pressure on himself at a young age that he's like going to get burned out because of it it it's refreshing that he hasn't taken running super seriously for 10 years already and that he's like has no his ceiling is reached he's not going to keep going up it's good to hear that he has like a lot more room to, yeah, to his, grow over his the next decade nuts yeah and i i don't think this is like a I don't think it's a secret, so I don't feel bad saying it, but like he runs like 45 miles a week. He has all his yeah. easy runs at like 7:30 pace with his high school team. Like he's definitely not, I mean, he's training hard, like, you know, cause he runs with like Mason Furlick and Nick Willis, but like, he's not one of those guys that, like, you know, the Ryan Hall types where it's like, they're running 80 miles a week in high school. Like he's definitely got a lot of room for growth. Yeah. All right. Next race. I didn't know they would go 10 minutes for that race, but that's all right. That's that's probably the one that we will cover the most. That's true. That's true. That's true. So sticking with the 1500 theme, let's go to the women's. How surprised are you that the top three were all new balance? Was that a shock to you? To me, it was as an outsider, but you're a little more of an insider. It was a shock that it was all three just because um, that's, that's, you know, the odds are against that. Um, That being said, I also, I think I picked all three because I thought that Jenny was going to pull through and make the team. Um, my hot take kind of is like, I mean, I'm glad that people aren't like detracting from their accomplishments and stuff, but I do feel like it's weird that nobody's talking about the new balance spikes. Like you get, you know, it's like, and, not, and I'm not saying that they should, like maybe nobody should talk about any of the spikes because it's stupid and boring, but like, <laughs> um, you know, it's thank, like, thank you, Kara for glossing over that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, Gabby Sid, Bromel, women in the 15 Sisson, like you know if they were all nike athletes like and running as fast as they ran you know everybody would be like oh the spikes the spikes the spikes mm-hmm. like um and and you know clearly new balance has a great product but they also have a lot of great athletes too um and i think i mean the, the women's 15 like you know it's the 1500 just is so um you know always unpredictable um because it's so it's so, such a unique kind of animal in that it is this, you know, shorter race, but also one that often gets so tactical and is so about positioning. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Ellie has been killing it all year. Like that was not a surprise mm-hmm. at all. No. Um, Heather's, you know, right there with, there with her and 90% of workouts. And it's just such a, she has so many, she has both of the tools. Like she has the strength and the speed. Um, she also literally lives around the corner for me as one of my best friends. So like, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, I think, I think the great thing about the women's 1500 this year was there was like 10 or 12 women where I'm like, yeah, they got a shot at the team, you know, like it was, yeah, people were talking about how deep the men's 1500 is. And I was like, dude, the women's is like literally the entire final. And then some like, yeah, I feel like when, when people say a race is wide open, like they usually mean like, it's like a softer field than normal, but like, I feel like it was wide open the other way where it was like, it was all these people who like are very competitive on an international level that right. were all just going for three spots. Like, yeah. For sure. Do you have any hot takes on that, Adam? Um, I think even, even though like, well, you know, yeah, full disclosure, Corey McGee is a huge fan of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I think if you're surprised that she made it, you're probably not following her or Joe or most of team boss. On, their on their group has been killing it. Like yeah. they, mm-hmm. they're definitely, um, you know, a success story for sure from the trials. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, well, I guess while we're, while we're on the women's 1500, let's talk about what, I don't know, social media has deemed burrito gate. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it quick. I don't, I don't know if any of us really have any hot takes burrito on this, gate. but yeah, I, oh, I didn't come up with that name, but what, what are the thoughts there? So say, I mean, say she, Shelby Houlihan's in the mix. Is she, is she getting top three in that race? 
Uh, I mean, uh, you know, these statistics would point to yes, but also it's like maybe it would have been a different race if she was in the race. You know, you never know how this stuff's going to play out. Like, yeah, I think, I th- also- I think if there was no news, she would have been in the top three, but like the new, like just like the weird emotional. Yeah, that takes a lot out of somebody, you know? For sure. And I think like, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Corey obviously benefited from being able to stick with Ellie for as long as mm-hmm. she did. And, you know, maybe Shelby's in the race and it goes out even hotter and like that changes the way other racers in the race run, which is not to say that like, you know, Corey wouldn't have made the team in any other circumstances, but just that it, the race would have played out differently, you know? And right. and I think, um, yeah, just how any race, you know, the, I mean, Brazier flaming out in the final, like, I think, you know, it just goes to show that no favorite is like- Nobody's invincible. You know, exactly. And so it's hard to, you know, there's a reason they run the race and don't just pick it onto the sending order list, you know? Of course. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, when she had the when there was the announcement for like twelve hours that she was going to be able to race, my thought was that she. Would, I mean, similar to what you're saying, I didn't know if that was going to be too much of an emotional toll where she would just be like out the back, or or would maybe not even show up to the start line because of it. You know, just I, I couldn't imagine being in her shoes in that case, and like maybe half the field whatever thinks I'm a cheater and they hate me. Like I, I wouldn't want to be in that. I certainly wouldn't want to be in that position. That's a horrible position to be in. I, my my thought is like, yeah, say there's no news. I think Ellie still goes out and leads the race. Shelby knows that she's got the big kick. So she's going to sit too. Like she's going to do what Corey did. She's going to sit. And that would be my guess of what the top three would be as those, you know, Corey and Ellie running away with it with Shelby on them as well. Those three would be the top three would be my prediction. But yeah, you ne- you absolutely never know. So and, I, and I will I, say, you know, regardless of what you feel about that whole situation, like I think everybody was pretty aligned with the idea that her running would, would have been like this huge can of worms. And the thing yeah. I'll point to that, honestly, like was maybe one of the things that pissed me off so much from the trials was like, um, Brianna McNeil running the 100 hurdles. Like she made the team despite the fact that she's appealing her ban right now. And, you know, if in fact her, you know, I don't know any really details about, you know, whether or not I think she's clean, dirty, whatever. I think you should probably answer the fucking door when a drug tester comes, but that's a whole separate conversation. (laughs) Um, But like, it sucks that, Gabby Cunningham, I think that's her name, the the woman who got fourth, you know, she didn't get to do that victory lap at trials. And, you know, if she, you know, ultimately, ultimately, ultimately it turns out that, you know, the ban is upheld and and McNeil's not running the Olympics. It's like, she was kind of robbed of that experience. Yeah. Her experience is like a little bastardized. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's just like sucks. So I, you know, there's many things we can do to fix the anti-doping system in uh, the sport. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, you want to try and prioritize like, what's best for the athletes, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Over these past, uh, I was just gonna say over these past years, like it, it always is. I don't know. I, I, it's good news when you hear of an American getting upgraded in the medals because of, you know, a cheater being caught. Uh, but it's also, it is super disheartening because it's like, they should have been able to have that moment live. You know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't go right. from third to second or second to first eight years later. Cause then nobody knows. And they didn't get the money for it. Like, you know, they're out millions of dollars in that case. If yeah. you're winning, if you're winning a medal at the Olympics, it's a million dollar deal. So it, it's, it is really sad. It's like, it's great in hindsight to be like, Oh wow. They, they did better than they even thought they did. But when yeah, most of the time it's, they it's catch them, like what? four years afterwards oh yeah i mean there's still it's still metal upgrades from 2012 2016 like right. it just keeps happening so, so it's like who, dude four years ago i couldn't I even mean, tell you most Shan- things shannon honestly. robbery went from like six to maybe third in the yeah. least 15 from 2012 like. yeah yeah thinking like yeah leo a bunch a bunch of people from the u.s especially moving up and it, yeah it's crazy so what what would like being on the ground at the olympic trials like what's the general 
Cause like total naivety, like outsider here. I, I honestly don't have an opinion either way. Like I'm not going to pretend like I have an opinion when I don't know the facts of the case, but like being on the ground there, what does it seem like the general like opinion or consensus is among athletes? Like Bowerman's obviously all standing behind Shelby. Um, but then I saw about like, you know, clean sport and people signing the petition for Shelby to not compete, but that is not necessarily saying that she's dirty. They're just saying she shouldn't be able to compete while she's, you know, appealing uh, the case. What what was the general vibe, uh, if you're willing to share anything about what you heard on the ground there? I think the general vibe, you know, I mean, and, and a, a couple of the, the guys, I don't know Shelby, but, you know, a couple of my friends run for Bowerman. And, you know, I think it, obviously when they are, when their team had the success that they had, it, I think it was definitely sort of extra emotional for them because, you know, they've had such a difficult um, year, even with just like Evan, you know, pulling out and all the other stuff that's kind yeah. of having to drop out. Sean getting um, a flat tire. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in terms of that stuff, like, I think it was just like particularly special for them when, when one of their athletes qualified, um, you know, I think, I mean, the thing is, is like pro athletes are like track nerds, just like the rest of us. So like anything you saw on Twitter, like it's the same thing, you know, it's easy to make a lot of jokes about burritos. Like, you know, it's, um, I think a lot of people, I mean, I would put myself in the camp of kind of like, you know, I don't know what to think. Like, I want to believe her. Like I, I want to read more about what the cast decision actually contains. You know, I, I think, folks are mainly just like either like, okay, there are funny elements to this, but also like this just sucks overall. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people just feel like, you know, any sort of doping story, like, you know, they're obviously sort of villains of the sport. And like, um, it is interesting when, when sort of the way, I think it's really interesting from like a media critique standpoint, like the way that different athletes are treated differently, but um, in terms of like the public opinion, um, but you know, it's just like a bummer. Like you just don't want that to be like the, and I think that that was one of the things that was really nice in ter- in the end is that I think folks were pretty good about sort of moving past kind of some of the like dark, dark clouds over the meet and really just celebrating like the awesome times that were happening like in front of them, um, which, which is always preferable. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think even, uh, I mean, Shelby posted around the same time that USATF like essentially rescinded their decision uh, for allowing her to run. And she, she posted essentially that her intent was not to run um, because it was unfair in her eyes too. Uh, so take that for, for what you will. I mean, I'm, I feel like in the, at this point, I'm, I know too many people like closer to Shelby to where, and like, I know enough about her where I'm kind of in the free Shelby camp, but I'm definitely, I definitely approve that she didn't race into it just because that's like a whole fiasco of future issues that precedent setting yeah right 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 yeah i'm I'm not even going to give an opinion one way or the other because i just don't know i just don't know yeah Yeah. similarly like a lot of you know shelby's from iowa i'm from iowa watched her racing growing up uh know know a lot of her best friends her teammates and so I, I, I hope, I, I hope she's, you know, it's, it's innocent. I mean, yeah, well, obviously, obviously you want her to be either innocent, way but sucks. either way it sucks because if she's innocent, it's almost worse. Well, it's not worse, but it's almost just as bad because it's like, she got cheated out of this many years of her life and her career. So it, either way, it's a lose, lose. It just sucks. But yeah, I, I really hope she is innocent. Um, and it, it honestly, it's very convincing. Yeah. Well, everyone close to her completely backs her. And so that's, that's, that's absolutely what I want to believe as well. Yeah. You wanted hot takes. I'll, I'll say that. Um, my hot take on burrito gate is that, oh man, I, I have to like, remember the mindset that I was in when I came up with this conspiracy theory. Um, 
but my take on it is have you guys seen like the flow chart of essentially like the decision tree of whether it would have led to like an immediate ban or there would have been um another process i i feel like the foreign substance argument was only made because of the difference it would have made in that decision tree and not grounded in fact like I think even though that, I still kind of believe yeah. that she's, or I, I have an inclination towards the fact that she's. We we, we should just move on from this because it's like not fun to talk about. But like, Fair um, enough. I I do think a big part of something that people I think don't understand is that there's a lot of, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, the process is the process, and that's different from getting at sort of the unvarnished truth, where like, um, you know the way that the court is tasked with making certain decisions and what the standard of evidence is and, you know, all of these different things, you know, you could laundry list them out. It's like, at the end of the day, it's, it's a legal process and it's a yeah. you know, different policies and that, you know, there's lawyers and the lawyers are trying to make the best case, which isn't necessarily, you know, the most, you know, correct case is just the one that they think has the best chance of winning. So who, who the hell knows? Let's move on. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Let's do it. Let's, Wait, let's do go you want on. a silver lining. Yeah, sure. let's hear it. Um, I'm going to probably use that as like an excuse next time I get selected for jury duty. Like, do you have faith in, in the law being carried out uh, faithfully? No. <laughs> because it's just were, a bunch of lawyers speak. I thought you were going to say like, the next time you get jury duty, you're going to be like, no, I can't have tested positive for Nandrolone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, Okay, man, I didn't think that these, you know, these races were going to spew into tangents, but they did. And that's good. That's a good thing. I, was gonna uh, say, I think I knew exactly going into this that this would be a long one. I think it, I it'll be a long one. That's all right. The people will enjoy it. Uh, and if they don't enjoy it, they can skip ahead. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> no, I one one. I, I don't know. Women's steeple. I honestly don't know if there's a whole lot to talk about there. I think it was Emma and Courtney, I think was pretty. I don't know. That's that's I think that's what most people expected. And then third place was kind of up in the air with Colleen being out. Uh, so I don't know. Do you guys have anything on that or should we just move on from that? I think that was pretty cookie cutter for the most yeah, part. The, the only thing I would say is if track betting was legal in the United States, I would have put my entire life savings on Emma making the team. Of course. But then you wouldn't have made anything in advance or in return because it would have been like, uh, I don't know, you would have put right, in like 10,000. Like 1.000. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. She was plus whatever a thousand who i don't even know what she would have yeah. been but yeah so men's steeple though i i think my take there was that i i was convinced that sean mcgordy was going to make the team oh i was I, the opposite i thought he really was, i thought he was rattled you thought oh rattled from see okay so i actually had more confidence in him after his shoe came off and he came back and was calm cool collected i had more confidence in him at that point uh i knew mason was like a really good shot as well uh hillary bore iowa state guy you know uh not that i knew him at iowa state but just just calling <laughs> that out there that you know he went to iowa state uh I, I all of those guys were in the mix, but I, I actually thought Sean was like a, a shoe in personally. I, I think he was. <laughs> I think he was pre flat tire. Yeah, I mean, I think you know when you look at it, it's like if you can run eight twenty five the way he ran eight twenty five, um, you know, you're probably in the fitness to run eight ten and sort of like a perfectly paced um, race. I will say. I think the one putting on my steeple expert hat, I think I said this on, on the city podcast too, but you know, he doesn't, um, he hadn't really hurtled in a crowd much prior to, um, this, uh, this race or these races. Um, and he did sort of not look super comfortable doing that, which is understandable. It was like his like third or fourth steeple ever. Um, and I think like that is definitely a learned, you know, behavior. Um, and I think, you know, the physical tools are certainly there, but, but steeple is just an event you've got to get used to. I will say, you know, I thought he was going to make the team too, but um, 
you know, watching his race, you know, it's, it's clear that he has a lot of upside, um, but that, that he also has, you know, definitely is still very new to the event. I'm always surprised that there aren't more collisions, people falling. It's like when it was amazed like that, there wasn't a fall in the men's race. It was so tight for so long. And like Mason's yeah. like six feet of legs, like, you know, like <laughs> it's making me very nervous the whole time he was in the middle of that pack. Uh, women's 10 K what I thought was not expected there. So I, I would have bet on Emily Sisson making the team, but Holy cow, just to grind from the front the whole way and then drop like a four forty whatever last mile. I, that was not in, in, a, in whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. 90 degrees at the time, like something insane. Uh, that's not, were you, were you watching in this, you were watching in the stadium at that point, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's crazy that Emily Sisson has a 10 inch cock like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I, she's like just an incredible, incredible runner and like looks so smooth and uh, composed, like absolutely destroying this field. I think like actually the race where I sort of like, you know, kind of felt like she was like ready to do something like that is, um, when she ran, um, sound running. Uh, not sound running. Um, the race in Boston um, that I uh, went to a couple weeks ago. I don't remember when it was. Beginning of May. Um, she ran like fourteen fifty six or fifty eight or something like that. Um, but they went out in like I think like six oh seven through two k, and it was like forty five degrees, raining, windy, and she like basically just like started ripping seventies, like you know, like on a dime, and just like. And I think still closed in like like 67 or something like that. Like, and just like that race was like a very like hidden, like because of the conditions and the way that she ran it, like that was like maybe like a like sub 440 fitness race, like that's just like, you know, she didn't run it in. Um, and like that was kind of when I was like, oh, like this girl is like gonna friggin' destroy the, the she's a the, she's yeah. a grinder, which I, I think the heat definitely played to her favor, but I think she probably would have melted people's faces even without it being however hot it was her form is like like they should teach that in classes of like this is how you should run like she is the most efficient runner i've ever seen in my life like it's crazy yeah and Krista schweitzer doubling back making the team in the 10k <laughs> I, I i thought it was interesting the uh kind of the uh i don't even know what you would call it so like uh, elise was ahead and then Carissa came back and overtook her. Like, I don't know. I guess it's just a statement to the heat of like in a 10 K everyone's going to die at a different point with the heat. And so you never know really how that's going to play out. It looked absolutely miserable. I know I would have sucked at it. I'm, yeah, I'm not very good at that, but it looked extremely unpleasant. <laughs> um, and like Alicia, like literally like, like finished the race, like did the post race interview, did a victory lap. And then like literally started like vomiting after that and like had to be taken to the hospital. <laughs> That's, you know, that's perseverance of a different sort, but like, yeah, yeah, not, not safe to be running in those conditions. Heat stroke, definitely imminent, but uh, yeah, it was exciting to see. And then Grant and Woody, the double, uh, I don't know if there's anything, I mean, 10 K, I think the team was kind of, you know, you could have predict, not predicted it, but like Joe was uh, in Joe Woody and Grant made sense. I was curious what, like being live in the stadium with Paul uh, in the 5k, did you see that part live as well or no? Uh, Like just chili mo, like, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. yeah i'm curious what the like the they were definitely fart looking a bit um yeah in the race. like they were kind of like speeding up and slowing down i actually didn't catch the part where i guess he like turned around and like said something to woody i saw Finger him after but um yeah i mean he's that guy's like a crazy man and like he's a you know obviously a very accomplished racer like um yeah i mean i the thing that i was like you know i uh, i'm like glad it, i guess glad it didn't happen because woody's a good friend of mine but like um they, when they go to like lane five um in the spin straight 
Cooper Tier is just like one second behind them in lane one. And I'm like, <laughs> can you imagine the like, you know, whatever let's run discourse that would happen if like Cooper had just stayed on the inside and like nipped one of them for the team? Yep. Like that would have been like, the track world would have exploded. That would have been bad. I think at that point, people would have, do you think at that point, people like the powers that be would have considered like DQing Chilimo or, or like, I don't know. I think there would have to be contact initiative. Like, I think that, it, I mean, it, it's just like a very borderline call. Like, I mean, it was an extreme version of what everyone does in every race, but like, right. Yeah. I think um, I think my hot take for that race is people. A lot of people are talking about more. I think more people are talking about him drifting. Um, that and certainly people were also talking about him giving the finger wag. But if you can give a finger wag and talk shit during the middle of the race, I think that's kind of a strategy. <laughs> He's definitely intimidating. Like, <laughs> oh sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because would he back the fuck off? Like, it, he still, he's kinda, still got a cue, but he it, it's kind of yeah. It's like, do you? In distance running, you can't really talk. We've talked about this with other people on the podcast. Like, you can't really talk too much shit or too much beef in distance running because it's like you're going to show up at the track and you're either going to win or you're not. And so the fact that Paul Chalima is willing to do that and, like, even in real race time, like, basically talk shit or whatever, like, make a statement. And then just imagine if he wasn't watch. Yeah. Like imagine if he wasn't winning, everyone would be making fun of him for, they'd be like, just, just like when someone throws up their hands too early and gets passed at the line, it's like, they they would have said, why, why are you making all these statements, Paul? And then you're getting your butt kicked, but he doesn't, he like continues to do well. So it, it's it's just crazy that he, he's confident enough to do that. But I mean, props to him. Yeah. It's it's high risk, high reward for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Any other trials takes that you guys want to bust out any, anything else that you got David Uh, for us? Sydney versus uh, a thing in a 400 who you got. Oh man. I, I, Hmm. Oh, I, I, before this meet, I'll go first before this meet, I would have said a thing, but Sydney getting the world record. I was not expecting that. I actually thought, I don't know. I just had a vibe going in and it's probably, it's probably kind of similar to, you know, people doubting Centro based on earlier races in the year. My vibe going in for Sydney was that she wasn't, that she was actually at risk of even making the team. That's no, I don't know. She was I, making I just, appearance fees, man, dude. She was uh, I know, lot. I know. And but just my just my intuition. You thought Sydney like, was at risk of making the team. You read too much Let's Run, dude. I do. I, no, I do not. I don't even really go on Let's Run. <laughs> that that place is not great. Uh, Let's Run was shorting um, Sydney for for a while. Oh, were yeah, they? See, I no, just feel like I wasn't I in that. Thought... I, I strictly was looking at results, looking at times, and I was just like, oh, I mean, it wasn't that I was like completely doubting her but i was just like ah she's not a shoe in for making the team then to see her break the world record now my answer to your question is i think sydney would win in the flat 400 now that i saw this performance yeah i think you know we know what a thing can do in a 400 because she's run it and um Mm -hmm. she's obviously really good at it um but i i I mean i think sydney could break 49 and like maybe break it by a bit (laughs) and yeah i mean i will say uh i don't know what you were watching because i was watching uh cindy mclaughlin the uh world number two pr by half a second in the 100 hurdles and i was just like okay so literally her like hurdle technique is just getting better while her fitness is staying the same so like i don't know why you were worried about her (laughs) but uh that's kind of yeah my answer to the question is like how it's kind of based on like sydney's efficiency with the hurdles like between her hurdling and her not hurdling, like how, how much faster does she get in a four? Yeah. Well, I mean, and she's split like, you know, in college, like she's split like some 50 on four by fours mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like, I think she once split like 48, nine or something like that. Um, but I mean, I think you look at the, you know, truly the best 400 hurdlers in the world and it really only is a couple seconds, you know, it's like, yeah. 
if you say that Ryan Benjamin is like a 44 guy, he's running 48, 46 high, like, you know, but I mean, she's just like on another level. Um, and, and I was actually more worried about Muhammad because I was looking mm-hmm. at their respective like lists going into the season and like, Sid only ran like one four four hundred four hundred hurdles, but she ran she ran like fifty four flat or something like that or fifty three high. Um, and then Muhammad had won a couple races, but she won them all in like kind of like fifty four high fifty five. And I was like, okay, like does that do it in the trials or? Yeah, exactly. Is she is she taking it easy because she's training hard, or is she like you know not facing good competition because she's not fit? Like so, I was more worried about her, um, but. I, we were that I think we did not have to worry about either. <laughs> <laughs> so could which one of us would win in a four hundred? I mean, oh, we would all we would all lose to Sydney. Like I, I, I saying how me, fast is Sydney? Not right now. I mean, my four hundred PR is like fifty three, and I'm not touching that right now. Like I, okay. when I'm training for longer stuff, like I would be lucky to run fifty five, fifty six. Like, Dude, forty nine is nuts. That's I know, out. I know, it's super nuts. Okay, so maybe maybe in our prime fitness, Adam would be the fastest. I'd be, I would be interested to, uh, to race any in an 800. Oh, that would actually be a really good race. Yeah. Do you, do you think how close to two would she get in an eight? I mean, you know, that's right, always that's the eternal, like the, like in theory, like the 400 hurler, um, into the eight, like how fast could they run? I know Muhammad does a bunch of Chris Chavez did a piece on her, I think like last year or two years ago. And they talked a bit about her training and she does like a lot of like almost like 800 workouts, like 10 by 300 and stuff like that. Um, and I think her coach said that she, like, he thinks like she could run two flat two hundred one just on the shape that, um, you know, she was in without doing any more specialized stuff. Um, and I believe it. I mean, you know, um, yeah. you know, I, I think it seems to my, you know, very uneducated, uh, mind that Sid is more like a sprinter training type, but, um, and, and she trains with Alice and Felix. So, I mean, that makes sense. So, um, yeah. but, but, you know, obviously, I would not be surprised. Anything she does at this point, I would not be surprised by how no, not at all. That would, would be. You have to be super strong to hurdle. So I, I am pretty confident she could go sub two in the right race in an eight hundred. I, I don't, I don't know. know. Apparently, sub two doesn't cut anymore. That's what I, not, that, the hot take on the the eight hundred. You know, it's, it's like, crazy. You got to run one fifty eight low to make the the US team anymore these days. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, How's your okay. pee, Adam? What's up? How's your pee? That was amazing. Finally, <laughs> frying some eggs. <laughs> how are your how are your balls looking? Is this the the sponsored section where we talk about the your razors? <laughs> yeah, I'll say it. The, the balls could use a trim. Um, well, I hear there's a great product. For that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Adam, did you get your lawnmower 4.0 yet? I haven't. I have not. I'm looking forward to it. That's all I drink. What's, every, what's everybody's uh, preferred preferred hairstyle down there? Are we allowed? I don't know how spicy are you guys. Is oh, too much oh, yeah, yeah. no, there's, we have no, we have no rules on this podcast yeah. about explicit level. So, so no, we, we, we like to go completely clean, completely clean and bare. That's the preferred style. Yeah. I like, I like shaving my legs and my balls at the, like in the same go, you know, mm-hmm. cause then you're just, you're just slick. You're feeling good. You could probably, maybe, maybe then I could run like peak shape, just shaved i could run a sub 50 uh, no additional hair weight weighing you down you know um get the eyebrows while you're at it no i i i, I when i'm like really like you know peak performance I've, i'm in the same boat i will say i do like a little you know kind of like sometimes i'll do like a little bit of the training element of it where it's like if i'm like really grinding and marathon training like sometimes i'll like deliberately like let it get a little little get a little wild down there because it's kind of like a mental thing like you know i'm I'm in like building mode, you know, like we're not in peak performance. We're not peaking for the race. Definitely. Like, 
yeah, I feel like if you, yeah, I mean, you can't go, you can't go to the skin every day. That's, that's yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to say, oh, sorry, go. Oh, I was just gonna say that's consistent across running. You know, people build up their beards over the course exactly. of a training cycle and then you get it down to the stash or get it down to nothing. I mean, that's pretty, I don't know. It, it, there is something to be said for your building. You're in that base phase and then you're just letting it, just letting things, you know, go with it. And then you take care of it later. And I will say, you know, just for the, the listeners out there, you know, I hope I don't have to say this, but like, cause it's 2021, but like fellas, like, you know, straight, gay, in between, however you're doing, whatever you're doing, single, taken, wifed up, whatever. Um, you gotta be doing something like, let's not, you know, let's not have Take any care of the boys, there, you know, like we all had that kid on our team in college or like you go in the showers and you're like, bro, like you're like, I got a second set of head of hair down there, you know, like let's like let's take care of ourselves let's treat I mean, ourselves and our partners with a little self-respect i mean hot hot take it'll make it look bigger you know well you know always a, always an advantage if that's something you need um but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's exactly why it's not only for the guys uh you know ladies or well yeah well, i guess guys for yourself for your partner ladies for your significant other you know it's a great gift and you might as well another hot take too is you know what do it for yourself even if you're not True. you know you're single, you're not active right now. Just do it to make yourself feel good. Self-care is important, you know? I mean, Look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be honest, before I was ever with uh, another person, definitely wasn't uh, letting it go crazy down there. So, you know, with that, for it's 20% important. off and free shipping, use code BEERMILE, all caps, one word, at checkout on manscaped.com, and you'll get 20% off free shipping anything in the store. So thank you to our sponsor, Manscaped. And, and, yeah what, what else do we got on manscape also I mean, beer mile fans like if this doesn't move some fucking units like you know let's <laughs> like th- that was a ringing endorsement like let's, let's go click on that, that link baby like <laughs> and even if you don't want the razor the sorry the lawnmower 4.0 anything like that they have shirts they have boxers they have aftershave creams they have everything so i mean it's you know your pickings is there and they support testicular cancer uh and awareness and education around testicular cancer testing for testicular cancer so it's a good cause as well they donate some of their profits to that go get yourself some manscaped products right here thank you to the beer mile supporters thank you to david melly for you know promoting the the importance yeah promoting the importance of being taken care of and being confident with yourself and you know manscaped if you're looking to sponsor other podcasts (laughs) run your mouth whole network yeah (laughs) uh the, I, I, I don't know. We can go wherever we want with this, but I know we're getting on time here. The couple other fan favorites that we get asked about a lot and that, David, you have, you know, maybe some inside knowledge in that maybe we can touch on quick. Westfly and Tin Man, which do we want to touch on either of these? Uh, do you have any takes on either of these? We can go wherever you want with this. Nothing I haven't said before. Um, I think you guys need to stop, you know, giving fucking Westfly free free media by calling him out all the time. Um, but yeah, when's the last time we called him out? That's so, fine. Don't don't go back to doing it. <laughs> all right, we're not we're not calling him out. Um, the I, the la- the last thing we technically did to call him out was in the uh, what a beer runner eats in a day video where I, I pulled up the DMs and he hadn't responded to me since I said yeah anytime any place let me know and he said my people will like draft up a contract for the beer mile and then he never what, responded again. What yeah. people? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly exactly. So anywho I mean yeah we I guess we could probably leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Do you have anything on Tin Man, uh, the the breakup of Tin Man Elite and the Tin Man Coach, whatever rights issues have been going around about the Tin Man name? Do you have any any thoughts on that? Um, I'm glad they 
made the decision that was best for their team. Um, I think, you know, there was a lot of uh, emotions and uh, fervor um, in the moment, but once sort of people, I think the, the dust settled a little and people kind of understood more of the different priorities that, that maybe were, were not being met. Um, I think it, it makes a lot of sense um, that they made the decision they did. Um, I'm glad they did because you look at how those guys have been running recently and, you know, it, it's gone well for them. Um, and I think, um, you know, from, from what I've heard, it sounds like, uh, Jones doing like a really great job with them so far. Um, sorry, that's not like a more fun, sexy take, but like, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I think once you, once you get both sides of the story as well, it's like some third party takes on it. You kind of can, the, the pieces make sense when you put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> what's your, yeah. What's your hottest take in track and field right now? If that's Ooh, not it. Hottest, I feel like I exhausted all my hot takes this past uh, week because there was just so much track and field talk going on. Um, my hottest take in track and field right now. Uh, it's a good question. Um, let me try, let me think about like what some of the stuff that's been going on. Um, as, as you think, I'll just call out. I thought it was pretty hype. Um, also crazy switch. Morgan McDonald switching to on running. Uh, like what? Just a year out of or just a year after, you know, being with Under Armour, being with Team Boss. I think it makes total sense. Obviously, him and Ollie have history together. Great group of guys for, you know, middle distance, distance events. So I'm not surprised at all, um, but just wanted to wanted to throw that out there. It's kind of just seeing the switch so quickly in a career is pretty crazy. Uh, I got a hot take for you guys. It's not, new, it's, it's not a new take because it's something I've been saying for years. But your, what you said about On just reminded me, like, there needs to be a team championship for us 100%. Like I think the nice thing that people are getting so invested in these, you know, these pro groups um and whether, you know, the model needs to be changed to sort of expand pro group umbrellas, you know, whether it's, you know, sort of including more different events like under the same kind of branding name or whatever or um, you know, figuring out a way to sort of incorporate um, you know, your shoe sponsor versus your group, your team whatever, but like I think like people are so invested in like, you know, these groups and that's great, but it's like, they're, that's how you build long-term passion for the sport where it's like, you know, like if you're just an Evan Yeager fan and then he pulls out of trials, it's like, well, you're shit out of luck. But if you're a Bowerman fan, it's like, there's somebody to cheer for in almost every distance event, you know? And I think that that's how you build like sort of a more sustainable fan base for the sport is getting people invested in the concept of teams and track, because it really, you know, that's like, I think any of us that sort of like ran in college or followed college running, like conference meets are so much fun because like, it's like this like really great team competition in addition to being this like, you know, ultimately individualized, like in the moment. And, and I think that's, that's what I would love to see is sort of a meaningful investment, whether it's prize money, whether it's, you know, restructuring sponsorship deals, you know, however you do it is just like, let's get people more into the idea that like, we should care like what team wins the national championship. Yeah. That's such a great model on, in, in the collegiate level that we don't really have on the pro level. Yeah, I think you can see it pretty clearly, or at least you can see the trend with um, some of the other like media groups who are following these pro groups. Like on has their um, has a few episodes out just like following the group um, mm-hmm. that has gotten like insane reviews and, and just like viewership numbers. I think um, I can't remember if Jesse Williams of Sound Running like I know I know there's like a, a seasonality component that they're scoring. I don't know if they're taking into account the team. Um, but yeah, I, I think team championships would be 
amazing because that's like really like the biggest storyline i think well yeah. it just gives you something to root for like even you know it's like you go to the olympics and it's like americans usually root for like the team usa athlete even if it's right. not necessarily someone that they've like followed their whole journey and so i feel like getting the casual track fan to like care about these kind of like non-olympic meets like that's how you do it yeah, that was actually something we talked to Jake Riley about is how he he was kind of relatively an unknown person, but made the marathon team. And then I said, like, well, now that you're on Team USA, like people are going to root for you, even if they don't know who the hell you are. So it's a good position. But yeah, I mean, Tin Man Elite does a great job of promoting themselves, et cetera. You know, they haven't this year. They had I think Brian Brazza was at the Olympic trials. I don't know if any of the other guys made the U.S. Olympic trial or like actually competed at the U.S. Olympic trials. S- but Sydney did. Sydney, Sydney did. Lead. That's right. Sydney, Sydney was yeah. there, too. But I mean, they've won the uh, club cross country title a couple of times. And so and that's kind of like the closest thing that we have to a team competition. But uh, there's just no. Yeah, there just has to be money behind it. There has to be some sort of incentive to do it because club, even club XC, it's like, you know, Bowerman, maybe a couple times ever they brought a team there, but not really. Uh, You know, Tin Man is like one of the few teams that really like actually brings a team there. That's at the the top level. There's a ton of, I guess, just like just below the elite level teams that are there uh, competing. But I would love to see that. That would be a, a lot more fun for the sport. And I, I don't, yeah, I don't even know who, uh, what, what, what team would you guys root for the most? I guess you got so many different options out there now on, uh, team boss, Brooks beast, Bowerman, Nike, Oregon, uh, or, uh, Oregon track club. I don't even know Boston. Uh, there's so many different teams. Like who, who, who are you guys vibing with? I'm going to plead the fifth a little bit because I have personal investment in a lot okay, of these. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> I will say like, um, one, somebody tweeted, it's one of the oh, is the uh, one of the USC girls that made the team. I can't remember who. Kendall Ellis, maybe. Um, where she was like, my whole training group made the Olympics, and I kind of had to like do the math on like, um, like oh, USC. So she probably still trains with like Michael Norman and Rye Benjamin and those guys. But like, you know, how awesome would it, like that's an awesome narrative to be like, oh, we went like four for four or five for five or however many that people are in their group. Like, um, you know, I feel like people don't know like that. Noah Lyles trains with like that pure athletics group. You know, like. I want to like, uh, I want to just know who the teams are, you know, so I can cheer for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like a, like the person with like the go sports shirts on shirt on, um, just, my, just like uh, having the concept of, of teams or at least like the continuity, uh, would be great. I, I do think I'm like, uh, right now I'm on like a fanboy kick for, um, just cause like the recent transfers as well as, um, Joe Clucker is just like, like my, my dad, you know, <laughs> I believe the word you're looking for is your daddy. Daddy, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm high on the on group because after the, the steeplechase night, I like end up spending the whole night with like the O'Connor family because there's like a million of them and they're all like literally awesome, wonderful people. Um, so, I, you know, on great group, seems like Dathan's doing an awesome job. Um, honestly, it also just feels like they have like a very like, it seems like they have like a very healthy outlook on, um, you know, everything that they're doing. I'm like a big Chris Fox, Dan, I feel like he's like low key, like the best coach in the country. And like, nobody knows, like nobody pays attention, but it's like that group, like always runs well. Like their, their runners so infrequently have bad races. Um, and, and they, they're just like killing it down there quietly. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it's just, uh, even these new groups, it's just like awesome to see new groups. So it's not just like, you know, Bowerman, NOP, like what, whatever. Yeah, dude, um, unattached sent tw- 12 athletes. <laughs> 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 They must be pouring money into that one. <laughs> All behind the unattached team. That's my go-to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got a couple of compliments on a, a shirt I bought recently that I wore to one of the days of the trials that just says 
um, big block letters. I just hope both teams have fun, <laughs> which is like great. Cause it's both like funny on that level. And then also just is like purely nonsensical in track <laughs> where it's not two teams playing each other. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, definitely appreciate a, a good, uh, funny graphic tee, uh, when it comes to sports, sports. <laughs> oh man. Love that. All right. Any, I don't know, any roast that anyone wants to throw out there, any last hot takes, any words of wisdom? I don't know. How do, how do we close this thing out here? This is why you guys need to do the, the ask the same, the, every guest the same question. Cause it's, yeah, we, we, we did that for a while. And then I don't know, the answers got too repet. I don't, I don't know. We didn't have good enough questions. I think is really the, the moral of the story. When you ask, when you ask 10 people is a hot <laughs> dog sandwich, eventually yeah. you're the same thing over and over again. So I guess we just need to be more creative, but uh, I don't know. Words of wisdom has been one we've been going with. I don't know. Adam, do you have any uh, roast that you can throw at Dave and uh, David oh, right now? Do. Yeah. I guess we should have, uh, I guess we should have prepared that. That would have been pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, we should have. I have, I have like a, a philosophical question. Sure. Would you rather kill somebody or be killed? Ooh, interesting. Is, I guess it depends on the context of, what, of when Instant in my life death. I am. So it's like press a button and either you die or somebody else dies. Yeah. Do, but do you get to pick the person who dies? Like, or do you get to know like anything about them? Like, are, are they a serial killer or are they? I say you don't get to know anything about them. Oh, okay. okay. I think it would kind of depend on when, when in my life it was. Cause it's like, I feel like if I died, like now it would be more just like sad for like all the people that I care about. Like, um, like, you know, not to get like serious from a mental health standpoint, but like, that's a very important reason to like, <laughs> you know, prioritize your own health. <laughs> and yeah. So like, you know, it's like, if you're 90, it's like, well, I've lived a life, you know, whatever, like true. get me out of here, you know, <laughs> like, uh, true. you know, I think, you know, uh, Oh, that's a good, that's a good, would you rather, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I feel like all my would you rathers are like very uh, inappropriate, but I had a good one. Ooh, let's do it. We're oh, come on. Um, this is your chance. Adam and I are, you know, we're primed. We're ready to go. This is your chance. Get yeah, us. Not, not that there um, won't be another chance. We're going to, we're going to talk yeah. to you again, especially at the Chicago marathon, but uh, yeah, fire away. Oh, well, this is a classic. Uh, would you rather have a 12 inch penis or a four inch penis? Oh, hard, hard. Assuming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, are we or or showers? <laughs> I think it's proportional on both fronts. Fuck. Oh man. <sighs> you should just ask Kevin Jager. It... <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um Bye, I... what have you heard. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what Adam, I don't understand the comment. What are we what are we saying here about Evan? I forget who t- who told us that. I don't even remember. Who told us what? Um so this I, is I, I, I know. Just answer the would you rather. <laughs> We're, we're not going to go there. Uh, yeah. we'll, leave, we'll leave Evan out of this. Um, I think I would go with the shorter because. I, just, I think there are things, oh, there are things you wouldn't be able to do. Just physically speaking with 12. I, <laughs> and, that's it's what I was, less, and it's less convenient for running. Yeah. So I was going to say that's, that's too much to deal with on a daily basis. And it'd be, it'd be fun for like a week. And then you're like, Dude, I got to handle this every day. Yeah. This is a yeah. situation. Adam's uh, like, dude, I've been dealing with it for 25 years. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a hassle. Get rid of it. Oh, uh, I was going to I don't know. Whatever. If it makes the cut, it makes Well, it's going to make the cut because I'm not editing this. But I was just going to say the, 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 the shorter because that's closer to my already size. <laughs>
right, so we're it's less some, of a difference. We're gonna do some math so here. You can um, figure out you can figure out where the median is, yeah, and then you know it's, it's somewhere range. less. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. less than that. The Westfly fans are gonna come into the YouTube comments on this one. I know yeah. they're gonna be like, "You're such a beta." No, I guess he, he didn't say what direction it was closer than. Like it could be three. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. I didn't even think of man. I just threw myself in a in a bad spot there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a note to end on. <laughs> Well, this has been fun. Uh, what what are you running wise? What is Chicago Marathon your next big thing that you're training for? Um, trying to get into Falmouth. Um, okay, I, I've heard rumors that the Falmouth um, elite field is much smaller than it um, has been in the past. So I'm uh, I'm hoping they'll actually let me in. Um, I got 17th in 2019, so like they should let me in, but we'll see. Um, uh, and then yeah, it's Chicago is the big goal. Trying to like oh yeah excuse me, really, really run on fast. So for mostly, I mean, we'll be probably training through Falmouth and really just ripping miles and, uh, you know, uh, getting fit, kind of maybe burn off some of the beer weight of the last 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any specific goals for Chicago time, place, running to run? Um, I mean, the goal hopefully is just to run fast. Like I think I, so I've, for maybe the listeners don't know like my exact running background because I think half the people that like follow me on social media don't even know that I care about my own running. <laughs> yeah, and you're actually fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I, I did my first marathon CIM 2019 as kind of like a last ditch attempt to try to go for trials because I had run a couple halves and had gotten like kind of close but not that close. Um, and I I ran I, I was on sub 219 pace for like 23 miles and then kind of like died a little bit the last. Um, couple miles and I think it'll be nice to not have like that kind of like the specter of that I mean maybe the standard will come out between now and then and then I will but like um there's a much larger window and like it'll be nice to just say like hey I'm just gonna get as fit as I can and kind of run my race rather than have this kind of like 219 flashing in my head yeah, like, oh, I've to gotta be on this yeah. pace you know um you know I mean fitness wise like I, I I am hoping to run under 217 um I'm much fitter than I was when I ran CIM and have done a couple more like well, not fitter. I'm actually way less fit right now, but in the whole macro spectrum of, you know, doing more builds, getting more used. To, I was never really a high mileage guy in um, mm-hmm. college, you know, really like it was a steepler and like a big part of why I was a steepler is because like the 3k was kind of like my like ideal race distance. Um, so kind of slowly moved up in terms of like building aerobic fitness. Um, and I have a lot more sort of experience with that now in the last two years than I did when I was um, training for, for CIM. So that's the that's the goal we'll see <laughs> it'll be exciting i'm hoping i don't know if i'll be able to i'm hoping i can get a bib for chicago and maybe you know run, run kind of in the pack for a little bit of it not the, not the whole thing probably but hoping to do that are, so are you are you taking some pto days afterwards races on sunday are you going to be at least taking monday off so that we can have a night sunday night well so this is the problem i think i mentioned this to you guys earlier but the the I, the problem is that uh boston is the next morning and so I don't uh, want to yeah. miss the first post-COVID Boston, but gotcha. that being said, I'm sure we can find a red eye that will allow us to have a, a night or at least part of a night um, and then still <laughs> get on the plane to, to, to Boston the next morning. Um, but that's my plan at the moment. I haven't actually looked at okay. or anything. It's like, what? we'll, we'll rage from, you know, uh, end of the race till I have to get to the airport. And then we'll, we'll, hey, we'll last Chicago. I, I think was it last Chicago Marathon that Will and I, a friend of Chris and mine, woke up at like four in the morning to go back to 
I think I, I flew to Kansas City for some reason. Oh, no, no. You you had to work the next day. I remember that. You had to get up at like 5 a.m. to catch a Uber to the airport so oh, you could yeah, fly, fly to work. You were traveling for work. Yeah. No, I, actually, I think it'll work out. We'll make it work because Sunday fun day, big thing. In it's Chicago. doable. So yeah. we, can, we can make it a kind of a dark. Oh, especially especially uh, where Chris and I live, like basically – Oh, boys, dude, boys towns you don't go out friday saturday you go out sunday well you go out every day but sunday <laughs> so, <laughs> the prime. Su- sunday starts with brunch and then you can yeah all day uh you can go as late as you want but yeah there's plenty of fun to be had between the lunch time and the the dinner time hours so yeah the, we'll, the ma- we'll make it happen. marathon is not napping afterwards we got to go to ann satter's and have like a, a boozy brunch yeah there we go love it and exact and uh and my my boyfriend is running it also um as a uh this is the ultra life. Um, he's doing it as a workout um, before JFK 50. Um, so uh, you, you, if you want someone to run with Chris, I'm sure he'll be happy to run with you. Like he'll probably him doing a workout will still be like, you know, whatever, 225 or something like that. But, um. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so is he not going to try to like, it'd be perfect if he just helped pace you or is that no, I think for a workout? Yeah. I, I think he'll probably try and just like do like a good hard effort. Um, but um, yeah, he'll be around for the party afterwards. Which will be the perfect. We're excited to meet him too. Yeah. um yeah no thank you guys for having me this has been uh this has been super fun i feel like we are gonna have to have like another 20 minutes offline conversation after this i still got half a beer so (laughs) (laughs) no thanks for coming on uh listeners hopefully enjoyed it if you did let us know well we can certainly make this a recurring thing every few months so yeah thanks again for coming on longer episode hopefully everyone enjoyed it uh cheers thanks for tuning into our episode with david melly and thank you to david for coming on the show today remember Your balls deserve much better attention than what you're giving them today. Check out manscaped.com and use our code BEERMILE, all uppercase one word, for 20% off and free shipping worldwide on all of their products, including the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and the Performance Package 4.0. And ladies, it makes a great gift for the significant other in your life. It's been a fun one, y'all. I'm your co-host, Chris. If you could do us the honor and leave us an Apple five-star review to help others find the show, subscribe to us on Beer Mile Media on YouTube, share the podcast on your Instagram story so others can find it. We would really appreciate it. Thank you all for the support. Thank you for tuning in to another Beer Mile podcast episode, and we will see you next week.